This is a podcast from the Business Times. Welcome to Wealth with BT, hosted by Genevieve Kwa. In this episode, learn how to preserve your wealth beyond three generations and how this wealth transfer process can be simple. This episode is brought to you by Pictet Wealth Management. Hi there, I'm Genevieve Kwa, Wealth Editor of the Business Times. You've heard of the saying, short sleeves to short sleeves in three generations. Almost every culture has a similar saying. In Japan, it goes rice paddy to rice paddy in three generations. And in China, it's said simply, wealth never survives three generations. This seems to be the pattern among families and family businesses. You may know or have read of families who fall victim to this cycle. The first generation builds the wealth, the second generation maintains it. The third and younger generations have no memory of what their elders endured, and so they fritter the wealth away. In this episode, we're going to talk about intergenerational wealth transfer. This refers to the process of passing down wealth to younger generations. This is a megatrend in wealth management, particularly in Asia where millionaires and billionaires are created at a very rapid clip. There are various estimates of how much wealth is involved in this transfer. A study by WealthX finds that globally, around 680,000 individuals with a net worth of 5 million US dollars or more will transfer their wealth by 2030. Collectively, the wealth to be transferred is as much as 18 trillion US dollars. In Asia, WealthX expects around $2.5 trillion of wealth to be passed on to the next generation. The wealthy in Asia tend to be younger, and this may suggest that planning is not needed for another few decades. But the trend, as WealthX points out, is that wealth transfers are happening at younger ages. The average size of the estates in Asia is estimated to be more than $500 million U.S. dollars. The process of passing wealth to your children and grandchildren may be simple if your wishes are clear and you have already established structures like a will and a trust to ensure a smooth transition. And perhaps there is no family business involved, or the process may be very complex, especially if there is a lot of wealth and family members are based in many jurisdictions. The transfer may become even more challenging when marriages fail and spouses fight. Complexity may not even necessarily depend on the amount of wealth. Very often, even for an estate of less than $1 million, descendants fight over their share of assets. Cases like these often come to light in Singapore courts. Here is the bottom line. Whether you have a modest or substantial amount of wealth, the issue of succession or wealth transfer requires a lot of thought and planning. This can be very challenging for Asian families where discussions about death and what happens after death are never easy. In many families, these topics are taboo and can be very fraught. For this reason, and many other reasons, many families seek professional advice. I believe it's wise to take this route if you have a trusted and professional advisor. After all, we don't know what we don't know. Advisors would have worked with many other families and can offer perspectives that you may not anticipate. Regardless of the size of wealth, the ultimate objective is that the family stays together and their wealth also remains intact and grows. 
Before going further, I have to say I'm neither a lawyer nor a financial advisor. In a couple of minutes, we'll have an expert from Pictay Wealth Management, Angie Han, head of wealth planning for South Asia, to tell us more about wealth planning and transfer. I've interviewed many experts on this issue. Here are some basic matters that families typically will need to consider. One, first-generation wealth owners will need to carefully consider their children's strengths, talents, and inclinations. There may be a family business which is the main source of wealth, but the reality is not everyone has the ability or the desire to run the business. The challenge is to find roles for the younger generation that will accommodate their talents and ambitions. Typically, wealth also sits outside the business, including properties. The founding elders will need to think carefully about an equitable division of assets. Two, advisors tell me that it's important to think about and nurture the values and experiences that your family holds dear. This shared heritage acts as the glue that holds your family together. I believe it's an essential part of the secret sauce to ensure wealth lasts more than three generations. Too often, families get caught up in how wealth is to be divided or invested, but that's only part of the equation. Ultimately, family ties matter. This is the reason why philanthropy is important for many wealthy families. It's often an expression of collective family values and also an avenue for the family to support communities and interests beyond their own. As the second and third generations come into their own, philanthropic activities often become more systematic. Three, we read a lot about the establishment of family offices using Singapore as a hub. While family offices often serve as an investment arm, they may also serve other objectives, particularly as a vehicle for family governance, philanthropy, and wealth structuring. We have with us Angie Han of Pictay Wealth Management to talk to us in much greater detail. Angie, what do you think is driving the establishment of more family offices in Singapore in recent years? Thank you for having me here, Jen. Most of these wealth owners are looking to establish a more structured way of managing their wealth as they prepare to pass down their family businesses and wealth to the next generation. Traditionally, families tend to set up several vehicles, usually in offshore jurisdictions, to hold their assets. But with the introduction of global initiatives to counter aggressive tax planning strategies, using offshore tax havens and ensuring transparency, that is the common reporting standard, and economic substance laws in offshore jurisdictions, there has been a trend for families to move their structures onshore. The family office regime in Singapore offers them an attractive option to consolidate the management and ownership of assets in a single structure. The discussions we have with these wealth owners on setting up a family office allow them to think about how they want to shape their legacy, whether it's about a business brand or a family name, and how they want to pass it on. And as we dig deeper, we discover issues that keep these wealth owners up at night. Passing on wealth to future generations in a seamless manner, purpose of their wealth, keeping harmony within the family, and ensuring that the future generations benefit from their wealth in a clear and structured way without falling into the entitlement trap. We help these wealth owners navigate the complexities of intergenerational wealth transition, develop family governance systems, fulfill philanthropic aspirations, and also put in place the appropriate wealth structures that are instrumental in preserving the family legacy. Still to come. 
why 70% of wealth transfers fail, and why it's so important for families to build trust among their members. And now, back to Wealth with BT, brought to you by Pictay Wealth Management. Angie Han of Pictay Wealth Management. Angie, what do you mean by seamless transfer of wealth, and how do we achieve that? The simplest way in which one can transfer wealth from one generation to another is by way of a will. So during my lifetime, I set out my wishes as to how my assets should be distributed among my heirs and beneficiaries. Upon my death, my heirs will then proceed to obtain a grant of probate from the court before any of my assets can be dealt with. So just to explain, a grant of probate is a court order which empowers the executor to carry out the instructions in the will, which would include the distributions of the deceased assets to his specified beneficiaries. So this is all well and good if everyone in the family do indeed get along, and assets are simple enough with no unexpected complications or surprises. In reality, we've seen too many stories of how families fight over their inheritance or estate after the wealth owners are gone, either due to perceived unfairness, sibling rivalry, allegations of undue influence, or unsoundness of mind. Long-held hostilities then end up getting aired out in the public for all to see. Take, for example, the case of a canto pop diva who died of cervical cancer in 2004. Her elderly mother challenged the validity of her will on the basis that she was mentally unfit at the time she executed the will. Her mother was not happy with the monthly living allowance she was given, but in actual fact, the daughter set the amount deliberately to prevent her mother from squandering her inheritance. Her mother filed multiple lawsuits and eventually faced bankruptcy because she could not afford to pay the high legal fees. A will alone may not be the best option for every family. For example, if one has assets all over the world, the executor of the estate would need to get a probate in each of these jurisdictions, and this could lead to additional costs and undue delay in the distribution process. And if there was a challenge to the will, the legal battle could take years. So some families may contemplate setting up trust as well. A trust is a private legal arrangement where the ownership of assets belonging to an individual, known as a settlor, is transferred to a trustee to look after and use to benefit a group of people called the beneficiaries. Unlike a will, assets settled into a trust do not need to go through probate. A trust may also provide greater protection against legal action from anyone intending to challenge the distribution of assets, which may be family members, spouses, or creditors. However, the fact that it is made more difficult does not mean that it's impossible. Just look at the court proceedings that reveal the deep divide within a prominent Hong Kong real estate family who controlled the family business holding company through a trust that was set up in the 80s by the founding husband and wife. The beneficiaries of the trust were family members, including the founder's nine children. The patriarch passed away in 2006 and court proceedings were brought by his wife, who was already almost 100 years old at that time, questioning the governing structure of the family trust. The family was split into two camps, one that supported the third son, who was the group chairman and largest trust beneficiary, and the other supporting the mother, who was alleged to be manipulated by the other sons. In this case, it is unfortunate that the trust structures failed to preserve family unity. But research shows 70% of intergenerational wealth transfers fail. Why is that? 
It is interesting that none of the failed transitions could be blamed on poor legal preparation, inadequate financial advice or improper tax preparation. Rather, they are largely caused by breakdown of communication and trust within the family. In order for the family wealth to survive beyond three generations, all generations will need to engage in education and communication on the various dimensions of the family wealth. Traditionally, the focus of wealth owners is on material wealth or assets that have monetary value. However, not enough time is spent discussing the intangible assets such as family values and the family's vision for the future. It is important to identify the family mission as well as a strategy to achieve it. The family mission acts like a compass that will guide the family on the right path. Many families struggle with how and when to have conversations about money and wealth. One of the best ways is for the older generations to share the history about how the family wealth was created. And sometimes we as advisors are roped in to help facilitate these conversations, provide guidance, and maintain focus on the issues that are core to the family members. The key takeaway is that every family member from each generation wants to feel included, understood, respected, and valued in the process. Take, for example, another Taiwanese family that owns one of the world's largest shipping companies and airlines. The founder's sons from different wives have been fighting each other for control over his inheritance since his death a few years ago, even though he reportedly wrote a will leaving everything, including the position of group chairman, to the only son of his second wife. To the founder, he may have thought that his intentions were set out very clearly, but with a complete breakdown in communication and distrust among the brothers, his disinherited three sons used their majority shareholding and ousted their own brother. Family governance, in essence, is the way families organize themselves and set rules in how they interact with each other, engaging in family-related, financially-related, and ownership-related discussions. Every family's governance system will be different, shaped by its own circumstances and its own unique dynamics. And each family needs to work at creating its tailor-made family governance model. Their model will define the roles and responsibilities of family members and how they relate to their wealth and business. I would also like to emphasize that it is important to write down the family governance rules, protocols, procedures, and agreements. It probably wouldn't be as effective if one were to rely on informal understanding. This written document is commonly known as a family constitution or family charter. How does philanthropy help with the transfer of wealth? One of the most powerful and meaningful ways to engage family members is through philanthropy. Typically, families support causes they are passionate about by giving their time, leadership, and financial support. So for example, one can find a cause that resonates with younger family members, such as climate change or saving endangered animals. Simply having a conversation with them about what they believe in, how they would like to help, and how they can make an impact provides a platform for all generations to connect and pass on the shared family values. This is especially important for those family members who may not be interested in the business side of things or be inclined commercially. It will be interesting for the younger family members to be given freedom to direct a portion of the family's giving and in the process learn accountability, important presentation and decision-making skills, and the value of money, governance, and stewardship in a non-threatening, non-combative environment. That was Angie Han of Pictay Wealth Management. There you have it. Wealth transfer is a weighty topic, and I hope you've picked up insights in how to approach it. 
Until the next episode, thank you for listening. This episode of Wealth with BT was brought to you by Pictet Wealth Management. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.